Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this August the 6th on a Friday, a football Friday. Welcome to the pre-weekend. Some of you may be celebrating already, having a three-day weekend, and why not? Because it's kind of like Christmas Eve out here, right? It's, it's, it's not Christmas Day. Christmas Day is opening day of college football. Christmas Eve is fall practice opening, and it feels even greater today because I, I don't know if, if many of you or any of you or some of you were able to open, like, one gift on Christmas Eve, like, some kids, like some parents allowed their kids to open like, like one present on Christmas Eve. Like my tradition was that I started in my household was so every year we would get everybody would get someone else in the in the in the uh, in the household a uh, a new Christmas ornament for the tree. And you could go online and pick throughout the year, whatever you go to Hallmark, whatever you want to do. Okay? You would go and pick a a new Christmas ornament for that for that year's Christmas tree. And then on Christmas Eve, everyone would open their Christmas ornament. You'd, you'd open the Christmas ornament, you'd have you know all these new ornaments, and you'd hang them on the tree, and that way, when you woke up Christmas morning, then there were the, the, the new ornaments that were bought that year to hand out to the family on Christmas Eve. That's kind of like the little tradition that I started. Um, I don't know. I thought, it was, I thought it was really cool. Probably some of you out there are like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But anyway, I digress, as it's only taken me uh, two minutes to have my first digression of today's show. Because, look, I'm in Tucson, and uh, it's great to be here, <laughs> because it's it, there's nothing like being home. I, I'm from, for those of you who don't know, I was born here. Um, my Most of my family was born here. The, my, my generation, the generation ahead of me, was born here. And um, my grandparents moved here from Ohio back in the day. And I was born here and uh, lived here until my mother remarried, moved back up, moved up to Phoenix. Uh, she had married a Phoenix firefighter. We moved up to Phoenix, and I've stayed there uh, for the most part ever since. I've moved down here a couple times since. But it's good to be back home. And I stopped off at a uh, at a, a convenience store this morning to pick up a cup of coffee and a couple bottles of water for today's show because normally I have, obviously, those things at home when I'm broadcasting from my home office. And so I stopped off at the at the grocery store, the the convenience store this morning, and uh, there was a a young lady in this convenience store screaming about Osama bin Laden was murdering babies across the street, and I kind of felt like that m- might have been something you'd want to notify the police about or the federal government or something because that would be a, certainly a surprise to them if. Osama bin Laden was across the street murdering babies in the city of Tucson, Arizona, many years after being presumed dead uh, by the U.S. military. I, I, I felt like maybe it would have been better for her to say that to some authoritative figures as opposed to the clerk at the Circle K. Just, I mean, just call it like it is. And then on my way here to the studio... Is driving and it's dark in Tucson because you know we have the uh, we have the, the the light pollution which I love. Don't get me wrong, I, I like a nice dark city where uh, the lights shine brightly and and you know they're you know 
not a whole lot of interference from other types of uh, light pollution, as they call it. So it's dark out there, right? Driving here at four, you know, four thirty in the morning, and I hit the biggest pothole in the road. I thought it was going to rip the tire off of my car. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some damage done. Like it was just a huge gash in the road. And I thought to myself, man, it's great to be back home. <laughs> Welcome back to Tucson. I do love it here. I can actually breathe here. Like it, you take in a breath and it's like, oh man, clean air. You got the mountains out there. The sun's rising right now. And uh, it's a beautiful Friday here in Tucson. And, and one of the reasons why, as I mentioned, it kind of feels like Christmas Eve to me because Arizona opens their fall football practice today. Now, very, very different circumstances and a much different feeling and atmosphere around Arizona football this year as opposed to previous years, previous decade and a half, two decades of Arizona football as Jed Fish and his staff and this program are embracing the community and inviting them to come out to the practices. And they have created a fan fest that starts today. Now, the fan fest is going to run from 9 a.m. to noon today. The practice practice starts at 8.30. Fans can, the Fan Fest starts at 9 a.m. It runs for three hours. There's going to be uh, family-oriented events. There's going to be a DJ, tailgate games, and other fun things going on. And then immediately following practice, there will be an autograph session. Today's autograph section, uh, session is going to be the defensive backs, wide receivers, and the quarterbacks. So a really popular... Uh, really popular grouping for today's autograph session, of course, as uh, uh, many recognizable faces going to be out there. And, of course, all the young kids want to meet the quarterbacks of this year's team. And tomorrow, after the, uh, af- at the, after the practice, the autograph session is going to be happening tomorrow, um, it's going to be the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman, which I'm really geeked out about. Remember that scene from, from uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, where he's going around, Jim Carrey's going around trying to investigate who might have missing gemstones from their Super Bowl ring or from their AFC Championship ring, trying to find out who would who it was that was in Snowflake's tank the night that uh, that Snowflake, the dolphin mascot, was abducted. And he's, so he's going around to meet all these Dolphins players, and he's doing it in all kinds of odd ways. He's tracking down Keith Byers at the track and trying to uh, knock him out with a chloroform rag, and he's getting into the showers and trying to spy someone's ring. Uh, you know, it, it just gets you know it gets a little awkward. Of course, it's funny. It's uh, it's Jim Carrey, and in one scene, he goes to an autograph signing, and he's dressed as a a teenage boy, and he's got like pimples kind of like painted on his face and stuff, and he's got this goofy haircut, and he gives this goofy little smile and a thumbs up as he's checking the player autographing the picture and he's you know checking the player for the ring and see if he's got the missing gemstones and he kind of just gives him like this goofy thumbs up that's kind of how I feel I would be tomorrow with the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman I'm like I'm like Jim Carrey in the movie with the little zit on his nose acting like the kid giving the uh his favorite player the thumbs up I get all geeked out about the offensive and defensive linemen. They're this, you know, well, uh, let me put it: the offensive linemen I get geeked out about. Defensive linemen are just kind of there, you know. These are they're the guys that are big and like ultra athletic. Offensive linemen are the smart guys, right? They're the big smart guys on the team, and uh, so I like to have good conversations with them, like-minded people. 
So, yeah, super excited about that. I'm going to be going to practice immediately following the show here. I'll be heading over to campus. Uh, again, those are at the Dick Tomey practice fields, which are the, the, the fields that are just south of the McHale Center. So just across the street there, um, just south of there, is where today's practice day and tomorrow's practice, I believe, will be held there. And then Sunday's practice, I think they're either moving it inside or it might be again at the Dick Tomey practice fields. But, uh, yeah, come on down. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, gosh, I mean, honestly, it's just out of – if I were a fan, it would just be out of morbid curiosity as someone who has been a fan of this team for a long time, knowing that there has been zero access to the fans and the community by this program for so many years. Uh, and to now have this uh, sudden openness from Jed Fish and his staff is a, uh, is a nice – you know, a, a nice change of pace, and uh, we welcome that. And again, look forward to. It. I'll, I'll be out there again. If you uh, if you want to come down, say hi, introduce yourself. I'd love to shake your hand and thank you for listening. We got a lot of stuff going on today. Plenty of things to uh, to discuss. Of course, we will be talking more about Arizona football. Um, the news report that the NCAA has changed the process of the IARP. We'll get into that. I don't. I need a whole like I need an hour to discuss all that. We won't do it for an hour, but I need more time than just an introductory uh section during today's show to do it. But we will definitely be dis- discussing that. A lot of things happened in Tokyo overnight. Some pretty incredible things uh and the US is starting to kind of get its groove now. Its athletes are starting to kind of feel themselves out there in uh, in Tokyo and it may be too little too late to win the uh, the overall gold medal uh standings but they're going to win the overall go- the overall medal standings the medal count now is starting to heavily favor the uh, the US they still trail China by I think 9 or 10 gold medals uh right now but they got a few overnight and we'll discuss some of those also very very important today if you are a fan of cow chip to- uh, tossing um cornhole um, mullet competitions, pig signaling. Um, I don't even know what else uh, they have on this particular programming date on uh, on ESPN2. But today's the day that ESPN2 changes to ESPN8, the Ocho. And they're going to be having all kinds of wacky programming today. Um, so check that out if you're into that kind of weird stuff. Or just fun, quirky, uh, you know, dodgeball and all kinds of stuff like that. That they uh, that they play on ESPN Eight the Ocho, of course the the call out to the very famous movie Dodgeball, where they had this you know ESPN Eight the Ocho network broadcasting these dodgeball championships. Also uh, reactions from the NFL Hall of Fame game and a look ahead to next week's NFL preseason uh, week number one, and uh, and a whole bunch of other things going on uh, today as well. I do want to start with. So a, a, a legendary Major League Baseball player passed yesterday, uh, a guy by the name of J.R. Richard. J.R. Richard, who was one of the best pitchers in the 1970s. And if you ever read an article or listen to an interview that was done in the, uh, you know, in, in, for a player in the 70s talking about their time of playing baseball, um, hitters would tell you that they, they just hated facing J.R. Richard because he was just – nasty like he was he had he had wicked you know wicked action on his breaking balls he had a lightning fast fastball he was also a very intimidating figure on the mound he stood six foot eight um and of course on top of the mound he was even bigger 
he would hit regularly 100 miles per hour on the radar gun. I mean, he, there was there was nothing like him at the time. He was an absolute freight train on the mound, and uh, he passed yesterday at the age of 71, gone too soon. Now, I mentioned at the end of the show yesterday when we found out that he had passed that I had a, a J.R. Richard story that I was going to share. So in 2009, I was asked to participate for some ungodly reason, asked to participate in, an, in a celebrity baseball game. Okay, This was up in, up in Phoenix. It was actually at Mesa at Hohokam Park in Mesa, which was the, the, home, the spring training home of the Chicago Cubs. I was asked to to play in this celebrity game. It was sponsored by Ferguson Jenkins, of course, the great Chicago Cubs pitcher Fergie Jenkins. He was uh, the, like the the lead. It was you know the, the the tour essentially that they did with these major league baseball players was in his name. And there was all kinds of cool. I mean, I was in you know just la la land. I I, I was overcome with just boyish joy as I was standing in the dugout talking to everybody, getting dressed out in the locker room and stuff next to Raleigh Fingers and Lee Smith, the great closer, of course, and Willie Wilson, a guy that I grew up watching shag fly ball. It seemed to have limitless range in center field when he played uh, in Major League Baseball. Just, you know, tons and tons of guys. So we all we all had a chance to, to take at bats. You know, it was, it was a game. It was, you know, you, you would play against these former stars, many of them Hall of Fame uh, baseball players. J.R. Richard was on the team. Now, I had gone out there, my first at bat against against uh, uh, Raleigh Fingers, he struck me out because I suck at baseball. I hadn't played in 20 years. Like, I hadn't gone to a batting cage, nothing. Like, I, I didn't even go to a batting cage leading up to this. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be sore go into a batting cage for two hours and then try to go to this game and have, you know, sore forearms because I haven't worked out like that. So I was like, I'm just going to go in cold. I'm good enough. I'm a good enough athlete. I can handle these old men. Yeah. Raleigh Fingers struck me out. Then we went back to the dugout. He's making fun of me. I'm like, okay, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Raleigh. So then a couple innings later, I go out there, and Ferguson Jenkins pitches, and he strikes me out as well. I'm thinking, great. The only pitcher left on their roster is J.R. Richard, and I guarantee he's going to strike me out because he striked everybody out. He's just, that's, that's what he did. So I go out there. I'm the leadoff hitter in the inning that J.R. Richard takes the bump. Okay, Now, this is 12 years ago. J.R. Richard was 58 or 59. Um, he, had, he had to retire from Major League Baseball a little prematurely because of some health issues that he had, but he still looked pretty good out there. Well, here was the problem with J.R. Richard. So Jim Sundberg was the catcher uh, that night for the, uh, for the Major League All-Stars. So I'm talking to Jimmy, and he goes, he goes hey, uh, just so you know, J.R., he can't throw soft toss. Like, if he tries to throw it soft, he can't, like, he, he can't find the plate. Like, he has to go full gas to be able to throw strikes, to be able to throw the ball anywhere near the plate. Otherwise, he'll hit people. And he's like, he's like, if he tries to soft toss it, he can't control the ball too well. So he's going to be coming at you with gas. And I'm like, okay, 59-year-old man, bring the gas. The first one came through there. I'm not kidding. It, was, it seemed like 140 miles an hour. It was probably clicking off at about 82, 83 maybe. And that thing came in and snapped. The, the catcher's mitt popped. 
I jumped, scared the crap out of me because it went basically like right underneath my chin. It felt like it was right underneath my chin. It was probably three feet away from it. And people are laughing at me in the dugout, all my friends and my peers. They're like, look at Jeff. He's going to try to get in there against this guy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I look at I look at Sunberg, and I'm like, oh, man, he just looks at me. He's like, good luck, buddy. <laughs> so so I dig in again, and uh, I'm like, all right, let's, let's, see, let's see what he's got. And he throws another Hummer and just blazes it right past me. Couldn't catch up. I was about five seconds late on the swing. So I'm down 0-2, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to let it fly. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna close my eyes and swing and see what happens. <laughs> so here comes the pitch, and J.R. Richard had this really high leg kick, all right? Very signature high leg kick, like a, almost like a Louis Tiant type of leg kick, went really high in the air, came down, and he was on top of you when he released the ball. He's so tall. So I let loose a a just a furious whirlwind swing, and I feel the connection with the baseball. And I clock one into left center field, right in the gap. I mean, it was a good, good, strong major league gapper. Unfortunately, Willie Wilson was out there playing center field. Still had a cigarette in his mouth. Burning heaters out there, shagging fly balls. I love Willie. Great guy. And uh, so he was able to run down, hold me to a single. Not that I could have doubled. I, the, the only way I was doubling uh, is is a ground rule double because, you know, my fat duff couldn't turn turn first base fast enough to get to second base before anybody could drag a ball down. So I'm celebrating heading to first base. I'm like, I got a base hit off J.R. Richard. I step on first base and twist my ankle and fell to the ground and uh, ended up having a, a badly sprained ankle and had to sit out the rest of the game. <laughs> and J.R. Richard comes to the dugout afterwards, and he goes, nice hit, young man comes over and shakes my hand and sits down and that's all he really said to anybody the entire time he was such a nice guy um and very kind and and gone too soon one of the major league legends as he passed away last night but that's my that's my J.R. Richard story I mean there were a lot of people in major league history that never got a hit off of J.R. Richard and I did granted he was 59 years old but hell I'll take it right I'm not the most finely tuned athlete slash baseball player on the planet. I think we were even keel at the time. That's my J.R. Rich story. Gone too soon, and uh, man, he was uh, he was definitely one of the great ones. I love watching old uh, old baseball highlights of him just gassing people, just striking people out. So uh, yeah, that's my J.R. Rich story, and uh, yeah, so. We'll uh, we'll continue to share some other stories here throughout the uh, the Jeff Dean show as we go on the weeks and the days and the months, maybe even the years. Um, we're going to have some FC Tucson tickets, our final day of FC Tucson tickets to be given away. That's going to happen at some point in time in today's show. When we come back, the NCAA has decided to change the rules of the game basically in the at the end of the third quarter, between the third and fourth quarter, as it pertains to the IARP's investigation of Arizona basketball. We'll talk about how that is going to affect Arizona basketball next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. ESPN Tucson's giving you the chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. You can register to win once per day through August 9th. That's only a few more days. And you can get more info and register at ESPNTucson.com. Be careful out there, folks. We're getting reports of an explosion near Star Pass. What the hell is happening out there? <laughs> and it's, it's literally what it says. See, I get to see these things. I don't, I don't normally get to see this stuff. Now I'm like in the studio, and there's all kinds of computer screens and monitors in here, and I see the traffic monitor sitting here, and it, all I see is explosion, incident-type explosion. <laughs> that, might, that might cause a little public distress. Careful out there, folks. It's a mad, mad world. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the NCAA has decided to, y- yes, essentially change the rules of the game in the middle of the IARP's investigation into Arizona basketball's violations. Uh, the IARP, as uh, many of you know, is the Independent Accountability Resolution Process. That is the essentially the independent entity that was given some given some authority by the NCAA to look over and investigate some of the more, I guess, difficult cases that the NCAA was investigating. One of those cases, the, the first case that they took was Memphis, Memphis basketball, and the whole Penny Hardaway, James Wiseman situation uh, that was going on. They have not decided on that, even though, I mean, I remember talking about that when it happened like 17 months ago. And the second case they took was the five level one charges and the notice of allegations against Arizona and its men's basketball program. Now, the NCAA at the time, when, when Arizona said, you know, we would like this to go to an independent arbiter, okay, that would be the IARP in this, in this situation, the NCAA granted Arizona's request to have it investigated by a, a separate entity, okay? Now, this entity is essentially a, a, a unit, uh, it's, it's called the Complex Case Unit, and it's basically a bunch of attorneys that have gotten together. They've been given the authority by the NCAA to modify or alter or change or I guess com- they could probably just completely discredit uh, the investigations of the NCAA that were previously made. So the IARP has been working on Arizona's case, and of course we're all chomping at the bit to find out what that resolution would be. Uh, Arizona fans, look, we've waited long enough. It's, it, not only did it drag on before the notice of allegations were sent to Arizona, but it's been dragging on ever since. And Arizona fans, and look, the, the administration and the basketball program deserve an answer too. And the IARP has been, I wouldn't say dragging their feet, because I don't know the progress that has been made. I don't know the work that has been done. It's, it's a very, very secret process, as rightfully it should be. So we have no idea. Apparently the NCAA is tired of waiting as well. So what the NCAA decided to do is basically they... They created a a new way to circumvent this IARP's investigation. The NCAA said, look, 
you're taking too long, so you can no longer review anything that we've already made a decree on. So the NCAA, whatever rulings that they've made in a case already, can no longer be overturned by the ARP, which is the entire reason Arizona wanted it to go to the IARP in the first place. They Arizona did not agree with the findings of the NCAA investigation, and rightfully so. And just like everyone else in this free country, they were allowed to have an appeal, essentially, or have their day in court, if you will. Or in this case, have it looked at by a different entity, which the NCAA gave their approval to. The NCAA approved Arizona's motion to have it observed by the IARP and ruled upon by the IARP. Now the NCAA is waffling on that, and they've decided to change the rules, and they say our traditional peer review infractions process is perfectly positioned to deal with the overwhelming majority of cases that come in every year. However, there's a handful of cases that are not really well situated to be handled by a process, yada, yada, yada. This is from the NCAA. Now, they're basically backpedaling on all of that, and they say that the IARP can no longer um, review rulings that have already been made by the NCAA. They cannot reinvestigate cases that the enforcement staff at the NCAA have already investigated. So they can only investigate new allegations? I don't understand this. I, I really don't understand this at all. Basically, it's the NCAA getting impatient with the IARP process and saying that, look, you got to speed things up. So now they also have published timelines that the IARP has to work within, meaning that they're going to be put on a countdown timer, essentially, by the NCAA. I mean, why why even have... <laughs> Why even have this model of of adjudication if you're not going to allow them to take the entire process and take the time to do it? I Granted, I understand. Every day feels like a month in the time of waiting to hear what's going to happen to Arizona basketball and the Arizona Athletics Department in the wake of these five level one allegations. Okay, Everyone is feeling it. The NCAA just decided, like, Eh, we don't like how long it's going to take. So how long it's taking? So we're going to take away basically all the entire re- the, the entire reason that you were brought into this in the first place. Once again, the NCAA just showing how and proving to everyone how they don't care about due process. They don't care about what's fair and what's right and what's equal, and giving these charter members and these members of schools to the NCAA, uh, giving them their proper side of the story and have, letting them have their day in court. They only want to be judge, jury, and ex- executioner and move on, which they have performed poorly in the past, extremely poorly. It's been inconsistent. It's been unfair at many times. And in many other cases, it's just been flat out wrong, just incorrect information. So the IARP is now essentially having their process taken away from them, and it doesn't look good for Arizona at this point. 
those level five allegations or level five level one allegations that were uh, that were handed to Arizona will now most likely be enforced by the NCAA because the ARP will now have no option but to agree and say we you know we can't we can no longer review that case so we have to therefore agree with the findings that were made by the NCAA which is not good for Arizona not good at all Arizona because of the aggravated allegations again this is this is part of the the in my opinion the unfair and unfounded process uh they were considered they were upgraded to aggravated level 1 because the NCAA claims that Dr. Robert Robbins and Athletic Director Dave Hickey tried to purposely cover up and conceal information from the NCAA, which they can't prove, of course. <laughs> they just think that they did. So, therefore, they made the allegations aggravated allegations, which carry a much heavier penalty. Two- to five-year postseason ban, restrictions on, on uh, recruitment and uh, scholarships, and it's, you know, it's going to be a mess. And Arizona is now going to have to deal with it because the NCAA makes up the rules as they go along, and they can change those rules apparently right in the middle of the process and take away the power that was given to another entity to investigate. All right, five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety seven one nine fourteen ninety is the phone number. We're going to take caller number two on this football Friday. You are going to win the pair of tickets that we have to go see FC Tucson take on North Texas SC tomorrow night. That game starts at seven p.m. Gates are at six. The game's going to take place at Kino North Stadium. Again, that's tomorrow night, FC Tucson versus North Texas SC. Call now. Be caller number 2719-1490. Good luck and enjoy the game. When we return, an Olympics update from things that happened overnight and an incredible gold medal recovery and comeback in the final seconds of a very interesting event. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show right here on ESPN Tucson. And uh, the Olympics still going on in Tokyo, the waning days of what's going on over there in Japan and the uh, the Olympics continue on, and the U.S. is having a bit of a resurgence late here, um, especially in claiming some gold medals and in in events and disciplines that we haven't seen a lot of gold medals uh, in the Olympics as far as U.S. athletes go in quite some time. Now, U.S. women's basketball is cruising right now. That's nothing new. They're the most talented team in the world. They're the best team in the world, without question, and they absolutely crushed Serbia last night, 79-59. They have advanced to the gold medal game now, not surprisingly. They're going to be taking on Japan. I don't know anything about women's world basketball, but I feel like Japan might be a little bit of a surprise in the world of women's basketball. Like You would think that maybe like some of the European teams or the South American teams would have done well in women's basketball. But uh, no, it's Japan as they beat France just a little while ago, about 45 minutes ago, that game went final as uh, the Japanese women defeat France 87-71, to and they will play the U.S. women for gold uh, over the weekend to, uh, to see which team is going to take home the gold. The U.S. men, of course, they go for gold tonight. That game, I think, is at like 8.30 p.m., I want to say. 
check your local listings. But, uh, yeah, the men going for gold, they're going to play France. Should be a good game tonight. Um, the, the men have fallen behind early in many of their games and then found their groove near the end of the first half and carried it over to the second half and have actually uh, done quite well in cruising by teams and, and having no doubters. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant scored 23 points in their win uh, the other night over Australia and didn't even play in the fourth quarter because the game was over. It was, it was, it was a blow, it was blowout city. So the men go for gold, the women go for gold over the weekend in men's basketball. Allison Felix, uh, just a, a, a tremendous story uh, out, of, out of Tokyo. Is Allison Phoenix, 35-year-old, mother of a 2-year-old, she's a 2-year-old daughter at home, has won bronze in the 400-meter dash. Now, Allison Phoenix is one of the most uh, decorated track and field stars in U.S. history. In fact, she's only the second U.S. track and field athlete to win 10 Olympic medals, along with Carl Lewis, of course, who's America's greatest track and field athlete of all time. Allison Felix just won bronze. She previously had six golds and three silvers on her resume, and now she's got all three colors as she's able to take home a, a bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics for, uh, Tokyo Olympics from her, for her third-place finish in the, uh, in the, men, the women's 400-meter final. Um, Jamaica ended up winning the gold, and Allison Felix was about a, a full second behind the, uh, the Jamaican winner. But uh, congratulations to Allison Felix. Again, a mother, 35 years old. She won... She won silver in this event in London 2012, won the gold medal, I believe, in 2016, and now wins the bronze. So congratulations to Allison Felix. Only 11 – I thought this was interesting. Only 11 U.S. athletes in Olympic history, all sports, summer and winter, okay? only 11 have ever achieved double-digit medal wins. It's Carl Lewis, Allison Felix. Okay, there's two. Eight of them are swimmers, which is a, a, an easy – I shouldn't say any, it's an easy. You get a ton of opportunities to win medals in swimming. You can, you can compete in three events a day, and there's four days of events in swimming, and there's relays, and there's all kinds of different disciplines, and there's medleys and butterflies and breaststrokes and freestyle. I mean, there's just tons of different events you can compete in. So – you have a lot more opportunity to win medals when you're a swimmer, which is why there's eight U.S. swimmers to have double-digit medals. And then there's one other person, and I honestly, I looked, I couldn't find out who it was. <laughs> I have no idea. It might be a winter Olympian somewhere. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Only 11 Olympic athletes in U.S. history to have double-digit medals, and Allison Felix is one of them. So congratulations to, uh, to her showing the power of Allison Felix and moms all across the world can still do it. 400-meter dash, so impressive. Now, maybe one of the most exciting finishes I've seen, and again, it's not a sport. I talked about this the other day. It's not a sport I'm familiar with. I, I don't know how to score wrestling, Greco-Roman freestyle, Olympic-style wrestling. I, I, don't, I don't know how it's scored. Boxing, I get, okay? Wrestling, I, I just I – never, I never wrestled – and it's just, I don't understand how they score it, okay? I know a pin when I see one, but that's about it. If you're looking for something exciting to watch, just a quick 20 seconds of something to watch, 30 seconds, you need to watch the gold medal final in the 125-kilogram uh, freestyle wrestling men's final. 
because U.S. wrestler Gable Stevenson, a Gable whose middle name is Daniel, named after Dan Gable, of course, one of the great wrestlers and maybe the greatest wrestling coach in the history of U.S. wrestling's history. Um, he's Gable Stevenson, he's actually still a collegian at the University of Minnesota. He's a collegiate wrestler still, very young, 21 years old. He won gold in men's freestyle wrestling yesterday, last night, in literally the final seconds of the match. With 21 seconds to go, he was down 8-5. to five, Down four points with 21 seconds to go. He got a, a situation where, I'm just going to, forgive me if I butcher these terms, okay? But realize that this is a layman talking here. He does like he makes a, a reversal essentially, okay, from a hold and gets in behind the uh, I think it was a, a Georgian wrestler, gets in behind him and gets position and wins two points. Okay, so now it's eight seven. Now the Georgian wrestler starts to essentially stall. He's he keeps falling to the ground, he's going face down, causing the referee to stop and let them reposition. Um, they had to go into like a stand-up style, you know, position and stuff like that when they had to restart. With five seconds left, not kidding, five seconds, he had to make up two points in five seconds. And the Georgian wrestler is trying to stay away, trying to keep him at bay, trying to keep him at arm's length. And Steveson kind of makes like this, like, fake shoot for the legs the Georgian kind of dips his shoulders, and Stevenson goes kind of over the top and around him, gets this reversal hold from the back. And I'm not kidding. The referee holds up the two-point sign as the buzzer sounds. I mean, simultaneously. As the buzzer sounds, boom, U.S. gold in that, uh, in that freestyle event. An amazing finish. I watched it this morning. I was like, oh, my God. I you know, to see a, a match that went 8-5, you know, I mean, that's I, that's a pretty high-scoring wrestling match, I would say. I, I see a lot of them, they're like, you know, 3-2 and, you know, 4-1 to one and stuff like that. 8-5 seems like pretty high-scoring to me. So to have it finish 9-8 in the final 20 seconds, absolutely amazing. So congratulations to uh, Gable Stevenson. Very, very proud moment for the Americans there. Also, uh, I guess the Americans are going for gold in the super heavyweight or the mega heavyweight division of wrestling as well. That's going to be happening a little bit later on. Uh, on the on the beach, women's beach volleyball, April Ross and Alex Kleinman finally, finally get that elusive gold medal. Uh, they've been trying for the last two sets of Olympics to win that gold. They got silver, they got bronze, unable to uh, to claim the gold. They finally got it as they defeated Australia in straight sets overnight to claim gold gold in uh, women's beach volleyball. And an interesting sport for me because I do love I, – look, I grew up watching boxing. My grandfather and I would watch it all the time. He, he taught me all about boxing, and we would watch it every Saturday night when it was on, uh, you know, ABC's Wide World of Sports, and I uh, grew up watching the likes of Hagler and Hearns and Leonard. And I, I actually covered the sport of boxing for HBO for several years as well. Um, and that's that was like the time of my life. Uh, that was amazing, and we'll have some some fun stories about that. And when and when boxing matches do occur, like big boxing matches, we will be talking boxing here on the Jeff Dean Show. Boxing gold has eluded the U.S. for years, for decades, um, and the U.S. has been the target of a lot of egregious. 
I, I guess, you know, rulings, just poor, poor judgment uh, by the judges, by Olympic judges in boxing history. The most egregious being Floyd Mayweather's, the, the silver medal that Floyd Mayweather won in the gold medal match, where, I mean, the other guy, uh, and I, I can, I'll never remember the guy's name. He's got some weird name. Uh, that's I, I, you know, from another country. I can't remember. He's like from Belarus or something like that. Anyway, he, I mean, he just tuned this guy up. I mean, the guy's, the guy's face was red. His nose was puffy. I mean, Floyd Mayweather, for for the intents and purposes of Olympic boxing, just beat the snot out of this guy. It doesn't happen in Olympic boxing. It's a, it's a totally different. It's an amateur boxing style. It's totally different. I could explain it, but I don't have time right now. It's a point system. It's like you know, Karate Kid. Okay, you, you 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 kick him in the shin and you get a point. Okay, it's 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 very similar to that. Floyd Mayweather was robbed, and I mean absolutely robbed of his gold medal at the Olympic Games so badly that the entire Olympic Boxing Committee, the World Boxing Committee for Olympics, resigned following the event. They all said, "We quit. We're done. We are not going to put our name on this bullcrap." It was the worst ruling I've ever seen in the history of boxing. And it's, it, look, it's followed boxing everywhere, right? The pro ranks. And it's been decades since the U.S. has won a gold medal in boxing. Well, say no more. Boxer Keyshawn Davis advances to the gold medal fight versus Cuba's Andy Cruz. Now, I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying that he's won the gold medal. But he is heavily favored in this fight. Heavily favored. Americans haven't won gold in boxing since 2004. So good luck, Keyshawn Davis. He goes, I believe, later today to uh, to try to claim that gold over uh, Cuba's Andy Cruz. And barring another catastrophic event or ridiculous ruling by the judges that causes resignations across the world, the U.S. will claim gold, and uh, Keyshawn Davis will be the winner of that gold medal. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More after this, you're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Be sure to join NFL Cover 2 each weekday here on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery. Celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona, and they just keep getting better. I, I mean, literally, they just it just keeps getting better. Every time I have a Barrio brew, it just tastes better. They've got uh, they've always got some kind of new brew that they're trying out, or there's some you know some some delicious cask brews that they try out. Love those some cast IPAs and stuff from time to time. Go in there and check it out. They've always got a cool menu, and the food menu, the food's bomb. Like they've got like this. Southwestern burger with like this chipotle cream cheese on it. Yeah, Mary, it's really good. I'm actually getting to see Mary for the first time. Like I normally I Mary is like this faceless voice in my ears and I'm probably the same way to her. We're finally like sitting across the console from one another. We don't know quite what to do. It's it's like it's very awkward. It's like do we do we like shake hands? Do we high five? Do we just fist bump? Do we elbow? Like what do you just wave from across the console there? So it's kind of a weird situation here. I'm not, not going to lie. Now, I recognize Mary from when I worked here before. When I was in, I was in studio a lot more uh, prior to shutdown. In fact, I was in studio the day that we got shut down. 
I would see her. She was always wandering the halls, doing like a million and six different things. And she still does a million and six different things, but now she has to put up with my ass for two hours every day. And uh, I feel very bad for her, and hopefully they're compensating her well for uh, for having to do that. As I mentioned, ESPN 8, the Ocho, going to be on the air today. That should be fun. Um, I know that the the Cornhole National Championships are taking place in South Carolina right now because I have a friend competing in them. Uh, I have a nationally nationally ranked friend competing in South Carolina today. Actually, he's been competing all week. Um, so maybe that will be on there. I may have to check that out after we go to uh, to practice, Wildcat practice today. Football practice opens, and, uh, man, I cannot wait. I'm trying to get out of here early, but boss won't let me. i got to stay till 9. That's all right. We're going to have some fun in hour number two. I, I got, like, all these topics and stuff, like, oh, we're going to talk this. Let's be honest. Last night's NFL preseason game was garbage. I really don't feel like talking about it. Micah Parsons looked good. He had a fumble recovery. Najee Harris looked fine. Wasn't spectacular. Mike Tomlin said he did everything we wanted him to do. Didn't make any mistakes. That's the most important thing at this time. We'll touch on some NFL because there is some news, and I thought Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Giants, may have or New York Jets may have thrown a little shade at New York Giants head coach Joe Judge for the fight altercation that occurred the other day. We'll talk about that. But I think in hour number two, we're just going to have some fun. Open up a topic in college football that I've been wanting to talk about for some time. And the realignment of all the college football teams, where would they go in a draft? We'll have some fun with that and some more football Friday to talk coming up here in hour number two. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Come on back on a quick turnaround right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.